We are a people of prayer. We are a praying people. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. God, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you speak to hearts. You speak to minds. And God, we thank you for the transformative power of your word. And God, we pray that you would just speak to our hearts tonight. Whatever season, whatever place we're in, God, I pray that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit to every single person tonight. In Jesus' my name, everyone said, amen. Well, tonight I want to talk on the topic of waiting. I want to talk about embracing the weight. In fact, the title of the message tonight is Embrace the Weight. Everyone say embrace the weight. Embrace the weight. See, it doesn't matter. The truth is it doesn't matter who you are, what season you're in, what journey you're on. Every single one of us have faced a weight. Maybe you're married to somebody who's a shopaholic and you find yourself every single time you go to the mall, you're waiting. Maybe you have children. Maybe you have teenagers. Those, those teenagers, they make you wait. See, every single one of us have been in a season of waiting. In fact, March the 25th, just to throw it out there, that's my birthday. It's in four days. You can leave your gifts at reception. Uh, but March the 25th, 2020, at 11.59 p.m. At, at night, all of New Zealand, all of the world watched on as New Zealand went into the first ever alert level four lockdown. And you know, all of New Zealand, all of our nation, you and I, we all waited. We sat and we waited. And the question I want us to begin to ask tonight is, what do we do in seasons of waiting? What do we do when we're holding on to promises from God that we still have not yet seen the fruit of? What do we do when our careers aren't advancing, our friends groups aren't growing, when everything seems to be not what it, what it was supposed to look like? What happens when we're waiting for a miracle, a healing, a breakthrough that still hasn't come? What about people who are waiting for visas and are waiting for a visa to come? No, I want us to ask ourselves, what do we do in seasons of waiting? And see, tonight as I was preparing this message, I was reminded of the story of the Israelites. See, the Israelites were no strangers to waiting. In fact, the Bible in the book of Exodus, it recalls about a group of people, the Israelites, who waited. God had called them out of Egyptian bondage and promised them a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God calls them out of, uh, of the place of slavery and bondage, and he says, I've got a promise for you. But in their unpreparedness to move to what God had told them, in their unbelief, God made them wonder, God made them wait, and they waited for 40 years. They wondered for 40 years. And see, the thing that I believe, I believe that for us in the 21st century, the thing that we struggle with in terms of waiting is that we live in the age of instant. We live in the age where we want things, but we want them now. Instant, instant food, hello, fresh. Most of us get hello, fresh, instant food, instant diets, instant coffee, instant gratification. For Kmart, some of you guys, is an instant obsession. See, we live in the age of instant. The reality is right now, you could pull out your phone, take a photo of me. That's all right. You can do that. I give you permission. But you can upload that on social media. And within under 15 seconds, once you post that, that thing is available for all of the world to see. We live in the age of instant. And if you're like me, you love the sound of instant, you hate waiting. Listen, I was studying to be a chef for like two years. I did basic cookery. I did all of that. And today, my wife can testify, I never cook at home. All I do is I, I throw everything into the microwave. I'm a microwave chef. So if uh, you want to come around for dinner, we're probably having uh, Big Ben pies uh, that we can defrost in the freezer. But see, for tonight, I want us to look for a moment at a man who failed to wait wait on the promise that God had given him, fail to wait when God instructed him, you need to wait. We pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 13, verse 7 to 13. You can follow along on your notes or it's on the screen as we go ahead. 
But it says this, King Saul remained at Gigal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear of the opposing army. I like how I abbreviated that. That should be a paraphrase because it says something else in your Bible. But of the opposing army, um, where am I up to? He waited seven days, the time set by God through Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gigal and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring to me the offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering just as he had finished making the offering. Samuel arrived. Saul went out to greet him. What have you done, asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw the men were scattering and that you not that you did not come at the set time our enemies were assembling against us, I thought for sure they will come against us and I have not sought out the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Get this. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God has given you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought a man out after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. The thing we begin to see about the scripture is that Saul was pressured. He was pressured into thinking, how do I secure the battle? How do I secure a win? How do I guarantee it? I'm losing reputation, lo- losing credibility, losing the pow- the thing that gives me strength. I'm losing the people. And he does what we so often do in seasons of waiting. He begins to think, should I take this into my own hands? Should I take this out of the hands of God and put it into my own hands? And there he is, he begins to take it into his own, own hands. In fact, he exalts a self-will, he exalts a self-ambition, taking the plans out of God's presence and forcing his own resolution. And as I read that story, I think I began to feel shaken because the thing that you begin to realize, the thing that you see through the story, and the truth is this, this is what happens. Saul substituted the presence of God for the applause of men. He took it out of God's hands because of the thing that the people were looking at. They were looking at him for assurance. And so instead of waiting for the promise of God, he takes it out of God's hand and he says, I'll do it. So he exalts his self-will. See, Saul in this moment, he takes earthly business and he puts it ahead of kingdom business. He looks at it through earthly perspective instead of looking at it through kingdom perspective. He exalts a earthly will above God's own will. And if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down, but failing to wait always produces a works-based self-will above God's will. Failing to wait always produces a do this, do that mentality, a works-based self-will above God's will. What does that look like? It looks like my way above God's way, my plans above and ahead of God's plans, my agenda opposed to God's agenda. See, if we aren't careful in the waiting season, so often our natural response is works. If we don't get promoted, we'll wave our hands, we'll strive for the promotion, we'll move things that weren't supposed to be moved, we'll kick down doors that God himself did not open to us. Because the truth is, again, failing to wait always produces a workspace self-will over God's will. Can I get an amen? Amen. First Samuel chapter 16. So we pick up another story, but about a man who waited. His name was David. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these, are all these the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health. Much like Jake Stowers, he had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, get this, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David. 
See, what we got to understand about this story is that King David, or David in this instance, is 17 years old. He's 17 years old being anointed by a prophet of God, the man who anoints the kings. He's 17 years old. And what I began to think about this story is I took this home and I melded over and I was like, 17 years old, how do you handle that type of pressure? 17 years old, you get told, actually, you're the king, you're the king, you're going to be the promised king. And then you see this guy who you know the spirit of God's left him and come upon you. How do you handle that sort of pressure? See, I think for us in the 21st century, all of us would pull out our phone, take some selfies, tag your friends, hashtag it, and then promote it all over the thing. Or if we put that back into the century that the Bible was written, I think most of us, unashamedly, me included, would walk straight up to Saul and be like, no, Paul, I am the man. Saul, sorry, not Paul, that's the New Testament. We'd walk up to Saul and we'd be like, no, I'm the man. I'm the one that God has anointed. I am the chosen one. You make my coffees. You take my orders. You are my servant now because God's spirit has left you and come upon me. And most of us would ashamedly say that, that we would respond that way. But see, David doesn't respond that way. In fact, it says the Bible recalls that although David was anointed At 17 years old, he wasn't appointed as king until 37. See, he waited 20 years. He waited in that promise, knowing that that was the position that God had for him. He waited for 20 years. 17 to 37, he humbly submits to the season of waiting. So you've got to know tonight that the the delay in David becoming king is unusual to how God brings about his purpose and his plan. In fact, Joseph was a story about pit to palace. It was a season of waiting. You know, Abraham was, a, was, was from seeing stars to seeing a promised son. It was a story of waiting. Jesus from tomb to resurrection was a story of waiting. We as saints, we as believers of God are awaiting the soon and coming king. We're waiting him to return again. And so I believe tonight the question isn't why God made David wait. The question for us that we need to ask even in our, in our own lives is what did God want David to learn or what did he want him to embrace in the wait? See, waiting is the typical way God brings about his purpose and promise. Waiting's inevitable, but our response is what matters. The first point tonight is this, if you're taking notes, you need to know that we are to embrace the character growth in the wait. Everyone say character. Character. See, D.L. Moody says it like this, character is who you are when no one's looking. When the lights are off, when people have gone home, when, when you're in your own company, are you, can, are you true to who you say you are? See, in waiting seasons, do we stay true to our convictions, our morals, and our values, or do we flake and fall under the first speed bump? Luke chapter 8, verse 17 says this, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. So if you're under 30, you understand that you can take a photo right now, filter it, look through it, uh, proofread it. You just take a photo, you can see it instantly. But there were times, and if you're a young person, there were times when you did not get to see your photo until it was developed. You didn't get proofs, you didn't get any of that. In fact, what would happen was you'd take a photo, you'd take a roll, pay a big dollar for that to get developed. What they'd do is they'd put it through a process in the darkroom. And what happened in this this place was that they'd take that picture, they'd put it through chemicals, they'd hang it up in the darkroom until the picture was produced. The picture was not seen unless it was developed in the darkroom. And the thing about this procedure, procedure? Yep, procedure, I'll go with that. I'll just stand confident in that. The thing about this is if that photo was exposed to prematurely in the light, that picture was destroyed. 
You know, the truth is with you and I, we need to be developed in the dark before being wanted to see in the light. We need to be developed in the secret place, in the private place rather than to be put on a platform. You know, I'm so thankful to God for the position and the places that he's brought me into today that he didn't bring me into yesterday. You know, I'm so glad that God didn't listen to those stupid prayers that I prayed saying, God, give me that now. How many people have been in that situation? You pray, God, give me that, give me that job. If only you gave that promise to me, you'd know that I'm the right person for it. You go, here's 20,000 reasons why I'm qualified. And then soon push comes to shove. God puts you into that place. And you're like, God, I was just joking. Have it back. Here it is. And then you go, here's 20,000 plus one reasons why I'm definitely, definitely not qualified for the job. See, allow God to develop you in the dark. Let him develop your character in the secret place. Go to God in the secret place because, you know, public power is revealed through private passion. If you're passionate about God in the private place, he will exalt you in the public place. It's better to be corrected in private than to be humbled in public. It's better to be exposed. It's better to be corrected in the dark than to be exposed to the light. Because how many of us know that if God was to promote us to that promise, promote us to that position, the picture would be ruined. See, I always ask myself, and I encourage you to ask yourself this, do I have a greater character? Do I have a bigger character than the opportunities that God has ahead of me? Do I have a greater character than that career advancement that I'm going so wholeheartedly after? Do I have a greater character that will sustain that place? Will I, in this season of waiting, let me say that again, will I stay true to my convictions, my morals, and my values, or will I flake and fall at the first speed bump? You know, Scripture says this. It says, the promises of God are yes and amen. And if that's true, perhaps today you're not waiting for the promise. The promise of God is waiting for you. So develop your character. The second thing tonight is this, is in the waiting seasons, embrace the now moments in the wait. Embrace the moments that God has ahead of you right now in the wait. This is a quick thought, quick point, because the truth is if we keep living for the moments of tomorrow, we often miss the moments of today. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. In fact, Jesus goes on in that scripture to say, does worrying add a single day to your life? Does it add a single moment to your life? And I'm not saying abandon your conviction, abandon the, the aspirations or the vision that you have for your life. No, no, I'm saying live in light of tomorrow but don't forsake the moments that God has given for you today. Don't forsake the opportunities of today. You know, Jeremiah 29 verse 5, it's a very good scripture. We all know verse 11, but it says this before that. It says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry, have children, increase in number, do not decrease. Though you're in the season of waiting, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. You know, in this story, again, the Israelites once more are in exile. They're in captivity to the Babylonians. They're in Babylon. And God still has that promise of a promised land flowing with milk and honey. Yet God has this response to them. They're waiting for the promise, but God responds in this way. He says, stay, wait, do what you're doing normally. Carry on as normal. Work where you currently are. See, so many of us are complaining about our bosses wanting to jump. I'm not complaining about my boss, by the way. But they're complaining about their bosses saying, actually, I want to skip ahead of the boss. And, um, you know, taking that into your own hands. But can I encourage you to work at the job you currently have with all that you have. Work at the current opportunities that you have. Where, actually, both of you are my bosses. But uh, 
Anyway, where was I up to? Dear was I up to? See, I've, I've, <laughs> a, friend, a friend once told me in the first part of my Christian journey, he said, Kaylin, I choose to put my heart in the hands of God because from the, ha- from, the heart of, from the hand of God, no man, no enemy, nothing can steal, rob, or destroy that. You know, I want to encourage us tonight. If the hand of man was the one that promoted you, the hand of man can demote you. But if it was the hand of God that lifted you up, no, ha- no thing can take you or tear you down. It's a safe place. God's hands are a safe place. So I encourage each and every single one of us with your aspirations, with your vision, with your dreams, to put those things, put your waiting season in the hands of God. Amen. Did I say point three? No, I didn't. That was part of point three. The third point tonight is this. Embrace God wholeheartedly in the wait. Embrace God wholeheartedly in the wait. Yeah, oh, mate. You know, see, as you, I jumped ahead and I'm probably going to, anyway, let's jump ahead. You know, if God's saying it, then we just be obedient to it. But, you know, as you continue to read through the story of David from anointing to appointing, from promise to position, as you start to begin to read that story from 17 to 37 years old, what you begin to realize is that his dependence on God grows. His trust in God grows. His heart for God grows because if immediately the thing that you need to think in waiting seasons is that waiting seasons were always designed to draw your heart closer to God, to recenter your focus, recenter your heart towards God. See, James 1.17 says this, every good and perfect gift comes from God the Father, from, from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And I was thinking about that scripture and I thought, man, the truth is it's so easy for us to take our eyes off of the gift giver and put it onto the gift. So easy for us to take our eyes off the promise keeper and put it onto the promise. And it's often when we're focused on the wrong thing, the promise or the gift, that discontentment for God starts to grow. That our disgruntlement for God not providing that promise starts to grow. Season, waiting seasons were always designed to recenter the focus of our heart towards him. And I already told this story about the friend that told me about the heart and the hand and all that. But let me say it again. Put your waiting, put your hopes, put your aspirations, put your dreams, put your vision all in the hand of God because it's a safe place. I'll finish with this if the keys would join me. But there's the story of a tree. It's an odd story, but it's a story about a tree. And this tree was over six feet tall. And every it was good for nothing. It was shrubby. It was overgrown. All it was good for was to shade, to, to produce shade. And one day, one morning, the, the owner, the gardener walked by this tree and he stopped at the tree and he looked at it, he put his tools down and he started to cut away at it. He started to chip away at all of the foliage until so much so until there was only but a stump left. And upon that stump looked as a water droplet, looked as like a tear from the tree. In fact, the farmer, the, the farmer, the gardener, he, he thought he heard a whisper on the wind. He thought he heard the tree begin to say, how could you do this to me? I was making such wonderful growth. I was making such wonderful pro- progress, progress. Now you've let that all come off. How could you? And you know, in seasons of waiting, we often find ourselves saying this question, do you not care about me? He thought he heard the tree say, do you not care about me? So he left that stump. Day by day, he'd passed by that stump. Until so one day he stopped to take it all in. He admired the tree because what had happened day by day, he thought he saw those tears coming from that stump. But what had happened that day that he stopped to admire was that it began 
to produce fruit. You know, in our own lives, in our seasons of waiting, you know what? God is wanting us to produce fruit. God is growing something in us for the season ahead. I want to encourage us to trust God in this process, to embrace the wait, to, to put our trust and put our faith in the fact that we know that God knows what he's doing. You know, I felt the Lord say this to me in particular for tonight for those of us who are in a season of waiting. I felt the Lord say, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. The Lord said, seek me first, seek the kingdom of God first and my righteousness and I will take care of the rest. No, he said, stop focusing on the promise, start focusing on me who gives the promise, stop focusing on the gift and start focusing on me who was the gift giver. And I felt the Lord specifically drop this reminder into my spirit from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. You know, for all of those who are in a season of waiting, this is God's promise to you. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Friends, in seasons of waiting, I want us to encourage us to embrace the character growth, the character development that God is shaping, molding, and forming you in the wait. In the wait, embrace the now moments, live in the here and the now in light of the promise. Embrace the now moments in the wait. The third thing tonight is embrace God wholeheartedly in the wait. Don't take your eyes off of God, the one who gives the promise. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, we, I'm going to pray, and I felt to pray for two groups. But before we do, I actually just want us, you know, that promise. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Friend, it's so easy in the 21st century to become distracted, to open up our phones and allow the things of the world to just keep coming and just keep penetrating our mind and just keep coming into our spirit. But I thought for a moment tonight, why don't we just wait? Wait on the Lord. Wait on him to speak to you. And so I'm just going to be quiet for the next minute. And we're just going to wait for God to speak to us. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you've got a thought. Why don't you bring that to the Lord? Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you tore the veil. Lord, that you gave us a way to enter into your presence, that you gave us a way to be in communication with you. And God, we lay aside all the worries of the world. We lay aside all of the distractions, all of the things that would come and steal and rob your atten our attention from you. And God, we just choose in this moment. We choose to recenter our focus, recenter our heart, Turn our affections of our heart back to you. God, you are the one who gives. And God, we know that you're a good giver. God, we know that you're a good God. And we say all honor or power or glory or majesty, all of it, God, belongs to you. 
And Father, I thank you tonight for every single person who are in a waiting season. God, I pray for places of provision that needs to take place. God, I pray that you'd meet needs tonight. God, I pray for uh, family members who are believing for family members to come to Christ. God, I believe tonight and we stand in the gap and say that you are the way maker, you are the miracle worker and God, you are working on our behalf. God, I pray in Jesus' name for all the healings that need to take place tonight. God, maybe we've been waiting for surgery. Maybe we've been waiting for you to just realign something. God, I pray a realignment tonight in the name of Jesus. God, I speak to every uh, hurt. I speak to every place that needs healing. I say be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that your stripes paid away. Your, the stripes on your back paid away for our healing. And God, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise tonight in Jesus' name. And Father, we stand on that promise that as we wait upon you, as we wait upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as we wait upon you, oh God, that we will renew our strength. And God, I pray strength in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that every single person wouldn't leave downtrodden, wouldn't leave with a sense of, of brokenness. God, I pray for strength in the name of Jesus. The word says that they shall mount up with wings as eagle. God, I pray for a new perspective in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we wouldn't be seeing things from the ground, but God, I pray that we'd mount up on wings as eagles and God would see from a new perspective in the name of Jesus. I declare over each and every single one of us that we will run and we will run for your glory. We will run for your majesty and we will not grow weary. I declare over every single one of us a strengthening in your walk, the walk that you have with God. God, I declare a strength of faith in Jesus' name. I declare that you will run, that you will walk and not grow weary. I declare over every single one of us a strengthening of faith, an uprising in our spirit, oh God, to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. And God, I declare in Jesus' name, I declare for Manu Newa to be changed by our walk. I declare in Jesus' name for people who don't know Jesus Christ that they would know you through the light that we shine. God, I pray for Elam Christian Center of Manurewa. God, I pray that we would be a center of hope, that we would reach, that we would serve, that we would influence for your kingdom. And God, I declare that over your saints tonight in Jesus' name. God, I pray, put a fresh fire in our bellies. Put a fresh manna in our bellies. God, let us leave fired up by the word of God that in every season, in every situation, God, we would move by the spirit of God, that we would declare the word of God. Lord, we would declare the good news of your gospel in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I want to just pray for one more group tonight of people. No, we're going on a bit, but I just want to pray for one last group of people. Maybe tonight, friend, I want to ask you the question with every head bowed and every eye closed, is tonight the night? Is tonight the night that you say yes to Jesus? Is tonight the night that you make that decision to be in relationship with you with Him? Is tonight the night that you say yes to Jesus? You've heard me talk about purpose tonight. You've heard me talk about promises tonight. And friends, the truth is this, you were created for purpose and on purpose. You were created for life and life in abundance. You were created for relationship with God. But the truth is this, the reason we don't have relationship with God is because of this thing called sin. And sin is to separate from God, it's to miss the markets, to do things our own accord in our own way. And perhaps tonight you've been doing it your own way. Maybe you walked in here, you don't know Jesus, you once knew him, but you walked away and your heart is far from him. Friend, I want to ask you that question tonight. Is tonight the night that you say yes to Jesus? Is tonight the night that you make him the Lord of your life?
In fact, the Bible says, goes on to say that because of this word sin, because we are living in sin, that the wages or the penalty of that was death. But God didn't want to leave us in that place. In fact, he didn't want to leave us in that place so much so that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. He sent his son to take upon himself the cross, to take upon himself that penalty, to take upon himself the death which we deserved. In fact, the Bible goes on to say in John 3, verse 16, for God so loved you and I, he so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in him, their faith in him, will not perish but have eternal life. And so if that's you tonight, I'm gonna count down from three and all you need to do is just put up your hand and say, yes, include me in that prayer. And then the church together, we're all gonna pray that prayer together. And so I wanna give you that opportunity. I'm gonna count down now. And if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus tonight, Just lift up your hand. Three, God loves you. Two, he has a purpose and a plan for you. One, if that's you, would you mind just lifting your hand, letting me know who I'm praying for. God bless you. 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 Awesome. Yeah, come on, church. Can we celebrate with every single person? That's awesome. All right, we're going to pray this prayer. So, church, would you repeat this after me? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I choose to turn from sin and turn to you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I make you my Lord in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen.